Happy holidays, horror huns. It is your Christmas cheer of the past, <laughs> V. Does that make me Christmas cheer of the present or future? Present. Present. Okay, well, I'm the Christmas cheer of the present. Your other host, Meg. Hello. <laughs> and we are one week closer to the happiest time of the year. Halloween. Oh my god, that is true. <laughs> well, I was going to say, this movie that we talk about does detail why this holiday could be depressing for some. Um, and I'm super excited to talk about Gremlins, but V, I know that you have some super sad horror news to share with us today. Yes, um, by the time this episode comes out, you would have already heard the sad news that Netflix decided to cancel the Midnight Club. We mourned the loss of what would have been a second season, but we absolutely love Mike Flanagan for sharing a Tumblr post that he created detailing what would have happened in the second season and answered any cliffhangers, theories and mysteries that were left from season one, which I really appreciate because not a lot of directors would do that for a TV series that was cancelled so early on. Yeah, that's true. I, I love his social media presence. He He's one of those filmmakers that do it right. But I can't mm-hmm. be too upset because in the same breath, he also got a deal with Amazon Prime, which to me, maybe that's why Netflix cancelled him. I'm not sure. I mean, if you sign with another company... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was my theory as well. He doesn't actually state when the exclusivity starts, but from his post, it sounded like he was hoping that Netflix would give, would have given The Midnight Club a second season. Um, but who knows? Potentially, um, Amazon could say, why not do a second season for us? But I don't think that would happen. Yeah. So now that he's signed that, does it mean uh, the fall of house, uh, the fall of the house of Usher is gonna be on Netflix or Amazon? That's a really good question. Mm. Mm. Because because when he like tweeted about the announcement, he was like, "I'm so excited that I can finally announce this." And they wrapped filming for the fall of house of Usher back July, so almost six months ago. So it's gonna be interesting to see if the fall of the house of Usher is gonna be on Amazon Prime. But I think. I think it might be his last Netflix film. Interesting. Or Netflix TV show. I mean, because he's been with Netflix for a really long time. So I wonder what the... In- so they must have given him money. Absolutely. I mean, he's definitely popping off right now. And Amazon wanted wanted him. They had the, the money sign emojis for eyes when they saw Mike Flanagan. But yeah, I'll be interested. Yes, it's definitely going to be interesting for sure. Did you have any other horror news? To be honest, Mike Flanagan has just taken up brain space in my head recently. And it's very weird. Let me have a quick little gander. Okay. I wanted to share that I went to go see Bones and All. Yes. With um, Hugh and their sister. And I was very like, oh my god, Hugh invited me to go see a spooky movie. This is so exciting. But obviously it was Luca Guadagnino. But this was my first Timothy Chalamet 
movie that I've watched. I've never seen him in anything else. It's just a year for cannibalism, I suppose, because that's what this movie is about, is like teen love, cannibalism. It was really interesting. Yeah, but was it as good as Fresh? They're, it's hard for me to compare them because they're quite literally so vastly different. This is more of like an artsy coming of age love story with cannibalism in there. It's honestly very strange. I'm just going to mm. come out and say it. The storyline is very strange in this movie. The cannibals can smell each other. Gross. Yeah, it's a very interesting story for sure. I'm not going to give you anything else because I do want people to see this movie. Mm, I don't know. I I don't. There's something about Timothy Chalamet that I don't get and yeah, I don't no. want to get. That's what I'm saying. Like, I never, I was never a Timmy girl, but this movie didn't change my opinion on him. Like, he's okay. He's just like an average white boy. Legit. I don't understand people with that first day for him. It makes no sense. But I will probably wait until this film comes out on home rental slash video sort of thing. Yeah, because there are some definitely jarring scenes. Um... It, it starts pretty quickly with the cannibalism, like you see the main character within the first 10 minutes of the movie try and eat someone, and the person in front of me, I think I told you this, was like, oh my god, <laughs> and whoever they were with was like, are you sure we can stay for this? Like, we don't have to stay. But at the end of the movie, it's a very, um, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to describe it without giving it away. It is a very quick gut punch at the at the very end. Like the last few scenes are very like, <gasps> and at the end of the movie, when the credits start rolling, somebody goes, "Whew!" Like glad that's over. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a few. Thank God that terrible film is over, but or whew, I can relax now, sort of thing. I don't know either, and that's what I'm saying. Like, this movie <laughs> has elicited a lot of emotions for me, so I would be very interested to to hear what you think about it. Okay, well, we'll have to revisit this when I do eventually watch it, but um, I have found some more horror news. Do-do-do-do! So, I believe we spoke about it last week. We didn't... Uh, so, as you probably heard from our last episode, we had to re-record it. And we couldn't remember our horror news. But in the original recording, I brought up that there was a leak of Ghostface holding a shotgun. Oh, yeah. Guess what? What? Paramount removed it for copyright purposes. So it's a legit screenshot from the film. Oh, shit. So whoever they're pointing that shotgun at, it's going to be, I feel like, gut-wrenching oh yeah i i was talking to someone i don't remember who i was talking to this with but the use of guns in horror movies people are kind of like mad about it like when killers use guns but it's just like that's what time period we're in right now like what are you what are you upset about it's there is already rampant gun crime in not only America but other parts of the world it is on a rise and you would be like what there's always been gun crime yes and that's what I'm saying there is more gun crime than usual and it is terrifying and horrors 
are yes supposed to be escapism but also the real horror films have real life aspects that mm-hmm. will terrify you i think we've spoken about a couple of films um horror films that we were like this is amazing because this feels like an actual real life horror that we would face in our everyday life so but at the same time scream 2 they had guns the first scream sydney fucking double tapped their fucking asses with a gun you can't stop complaining now about horror films having guns especially scream especially scream because scream is supposed to depict like a serial killer in real life. It's not like, you know, your Freddy, Jace, uh, Freddy, Jason's, Michael's, Chucky's. It is depicting a real life scenario that could actually happen in our everyday life. So just, there are bigger battles to fight. If you want guns to be stop being depicted in films, go speak to your Congress people about actually banning ga- guns in real fucking life. That's very true. Now I will say the movie that we're going to talk about today, Gremlins, has a very iconic use of a gun, which I'm super excited to get into because I love this movie. Oh my god, me too. And you're probably thinking, Meg... B, why are you talking about gremlins in December? Because it's a fucking Christmas film, okay? It is a Christmas movie. I remember watching this movie around Christmas when I was younger because it is quite literally a Christmas movie. Gizmo is a Christmas gift. Like, of course it's a Christmas movie. Um, And I showed this to Val's mom. And I think that it was her first time seeing it all the way through. Because I was like, Alex, do you want to watch a Christmas movie with us? And she was like, yeah, Margarita, I would love to watch a Christmas movie with you. And I was like, all right, great. Fuck it up. put on this Christmas movie and I kept saying it's PG Alex it's a PG Christmas movie because this movie is rated PG but it terrified children when it first came out um I don't know if you know this but Gremlins is one of the reasons why we have the rating PG-13 I did not realize that but I can kind of um anyway (laughs) I can kind of see why, because gremlins themselves are absolute fucking menaces. And I love it. Yeah, so this movie came out June of 84, June 8th, which is ironically the same day that Ghostbusters came out, um, which is also PG. In July 1st of 84, so there was about a month turnaround time, the MPAA announced a new rating, PG-13. I think it was this and like Temple of Doom because it scared people. This movie scared Val when they were younger, which I, I think is- thought they were cute. <laughs> I know, which I think is hilarious because I love Gizmo. Gizmo's like the cutest cutie. Same. It did not scare me growing up watching it. I was just so enamoured by Mogwise and Gizmo and Gremlins and all the different Gremlins as well. Like the rules you had to follow and all this stuff. And I was just like, this would be so cool if they were real. Like, imagine having a Mogwai in person. I would literally pass away from happiness. I was enamoured with this movie Partly because of Gizmo, but also my queer girl sexuality, because I honestly didn't know where to look 
I don't know if I should have been looking at Billy or if I should have been looking at Kate because they were both so good in this movie. Watching it, Alex goes, that man has very pretty eyelashes. (laughs) Oh my God. Stop it. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, it was, oh, this film is such an epitome for so many people's like childhood. Yeah. Before we get into like the film itself, um, it had a budget of eleven million dollars. Damn. And at the box office, it made a drum roll, please, two hundred and twelve million dollars. Damn. I mean, so this people movie, loved it. This movie is great. Like, yes, it probably traumatized a lot of children in the eighties for a little bit, but. You know, you get over that. I just thought it was, it's cute and it's quirky. Um, Chris Columbus wrote this and Joe Dante um, directed it. And Chris Columbus, if that name sounds familiar to you, because it did to Val, he is the guy that directed the first two Harry Potter movies. I did not know that. <laughs> he also directed Mrs. Doubtfire. Love that. Christmas with the Cranks. He wrote that one. But I cannot forgive him for directing Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But thankfully, we are getting a Disney Plus series for Percy Jackson. So we're just going to have to wait and see if that is true to the books. But anyway, um, you can definitely tell that his humor has carried over into this film because even though it's supposed to be a opera, it's so funny. So funny. I love the character, um, Randall, which is Billy's dad, the inventor. I loved the fact that I watched this movie so much when I was younger. And I, I think I watched it maybe about five years ago. But re-watching it, I was like, the memories of his inventions, specifically the um, orange juice maker, were so yeah. clear in my mind. Like, I love that aspect of this movie. I think because I watched this around a similar time that I watched Flubber growing up. (laughs) The inventions from Flubber and Gremlins just live in my head rent-free as a child. I was like, why can't these be real? Again, like Mugwise, I'm like, why is this all not in my life right now? Please. And that is probably why I did not have that many friends growing up. Stop. That made me very sad, V. I have friends now. Fine. Yeah, me. But we we see Randall go into Chinatown to get a Christmas gift for his son, Billy. And I knew that I rode for Billy when he brought his dog to work. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, Barney, isn't it? His dog's name. I think so. Yeah, reading here. Which, fuck Mrs. Deagle. She is such a bitch. Like, I remember disliking her when I was younger, but she is downright evil, saying that she was going to put him down. Rude. I don't like people threatening animals in films. I don't like seeing animals die in films. I, even if it's an animal that I'm not the most enamored with, yeah, I, I still get so extremely upset because I'm like, that is someone's pet. That is someone's love. <laughs> yeah. Very, very rude of her to do that. Maybe we should put her down. She gets what's coming to her, I will say. But we're introduced to Kate at the bank. 
and their little relationship is so cute. Honestly, you just root for Billy in this whole entire film. You're like, I want him to get the girl. You want him to get the girl. You want him to, like, have this really cute life. He just seems like a good guy. I mean, like I said, if he takes his dog to work, like, that's awesome. But he's gifted Gizmo. And honestly, watching it back, I'm like, Billy, you see that this cute little furry creature that you just got is, like, writhing around in pain. But you're like, let's keep making it reproduce. See... (laughs) That's the part I didn't like. I did not want to see Gizmo scream and be like, make it stop. Seeing Gizmo sad is like the saddest thing in the whole world. Like those big wet eyes. Like he's just wanting to chill and like watch some TV. He's just a fun little guy that just wants to be left alone. And like they told you not to do that. Like one of the directions explicitly was don't put water and it's because you don't know what this thing is literally there's only three rules three simple rules and what does he do he breaks, breaks every single fucking one of them he really does now i i will say i forgive him for feeding gizmo but i don't forgive him for putting water because you know after that first batch came out they're not like gizmo there's something off about them, but they're exploiting these little creatures and thinking, oh, I can probably make so much money selling these. Let's study them and give them to my, like, teacher to experiment upon. Yeah, science teacher. Former elementary school science teacher, Mr. Handsome. Yeah, so you don't know what these creatures are. You're trying to exploit them even after you know that these are troublemakers. Like, Stripe? Is the, is the ringleader, and we haven't even gotten to, like, them exploding from their cocoons, but from the jump, like, something's different about Stripe. Yeah, but Stripe is actually really cool. <laughs> I can't Stripe. be mad at Stripe. Have you seen his face? His little mohawk. I love him. He's pretty aggressive. I mean, like, he tortures Gizmo and, like, strings Barney up in these lights, which... They wanted this to be a little bit darker. Like, that dog was supposed to be dead. Yeah, but... If they, w- if they, if they wanted to aim it towards kids, they couldn't kill a dog, could they? Exactly. But think about what move this movie could have been if they did go that darker route. You know what I'm saying? Like, we'd be definitely talking about this in a totally different light. A hundred percent, yeah. And we'd be like... This film actually traumatized me as a child. (laughs) But instead, we're like, no, this is a really cute film. They're just having fun. And I think one of the things that's so fun about this movie is, like, the creature design. And even, like, them in their cocoons. Like, those things were slimy and, like, gross and just they felt disgusting. And, like, even as a kid and as an adult, I'm like, wow, those are pretty cool. No, 100%. They remind me of the um xenomorph eggs yeah they do they do but but his teacher is killed like yeah that's when you know that these things are quite literally gremlins and the town drunk keeps going around being like oh gremlins this gremlins that well here you go gremlins we're even supposed to believe that they started world war ii they probably did gremlins and hitler they would absolutely drive Hitler to even more of madness. I think that gremlins could take Hitler. 100%. 
100%. They would have put a stop to the war before anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But don't forget, um, the um, gremlins tortured Gizmo after they hatched, and they also attacked Billy's mother. That that kitchen scene really, really traumatized me when I was a kid. Like, I vividly remember watching this and just being, like, gasping at the severity of, like, her face gashes. Yes. Watching it back, like, you know she's a real one because she grabs that knife super, super quick. Honestly, it's just... That, I think, is one of the scenes that stick out the most from the gremlins two films and also if we haven't mentioned before this was all practical like these were little puppets like animatronics chris wallace um was the creature concept designer around this and his entire team did a really really great job because you see a lot of different ideations of what a gremlin is and you really see how evil and nasty they can be in this scene killing Mr. Hansen and trying to kill the mom, but the mom vanquishes them. These people, these little gremlins that are running after her. This movie ruined that song, Do You Hear What I Hear? I cannot listen to that song without thinking about the exploding gremlin in the microwave. And it, like, the green salad. Oh, yeah. This... This film just had iconic kills for the gremlins. Let's just let's just state that for a fact. They right now. They really did, but somehow Stripe managed to get away. Yes, yes. Um and where does he escape to all places? The local YMCA and jumps into the swimming pool and spawns an entire army of gremlins that wreaks havoc on this poor town and many people were injured many people were killed billy reports it to the police but they 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 prove no help at all because they don't believe his story even after he shows him gizmo no they don't val's mom when when stripe launched himself into the pool she goes Oh no. <laughs> like she even knew that it was about to get crazy. <laughs> but after this scene, you get what I consider to be one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. You get the bar scene where these gremlins come to terrorize Kate. I love that scene. You see so many different types of gremlins. It opens in. <laughs> The gremlin is smoking three cigarettes at one time. Loved it. They did so many iconic things with these gremlins. And we'll get to the scene after they've rescued Kate. I wanted to share one of my favorite gremlins. There is a jazz interlude in this bar scene where there's a gremlin that's playing jazz and it like cuts to a little gremlin that has leg warmers on. But when Kate is trying to escape, you see... A little gremlin mugger that has like the the ski mask on, and somehow yeah. it has a little mini gun, and he starts shooting at her. And I'm like, where are these gremlins getting these guns? <laughs> Bitch, Stripe had a chainsaw at one point in this fucking <laughs> film. But <laughs> yes, I that was very iconic. But Billy rescues um his girlfriend Kate. And we get the saddest backstory for her. Yes, yes. So 
Um, they went to the now abandoned bank and Kate reveals to Billy and Gizmo um, why <laughs> she hates Christmas. So when she was nine, uh, her father went missing on Christmas Eve and did not come home Christmas Day. Several days later, he was sadly found dead in a chimney while dressed as Santa Claus. He was planning on surprising her and her mother but he accidentally slipped and broke his neck while climbing down the chimney. Still suffering from, and this is from Wikipedia, post-traumatic stress disorder <laughs> because of the event. Um, Kate confesses this is how she discovered the truth about Santa Claus. And that will ruin anyone's childhood. Yeah, because like throughout this movie, she's basically saying like, you know, Christmas isn't this super great holiday like Billy wants it to be. It's It's been a great holiday for Billy, and that's why he thinks that Christmas is so great. But Kate's like, this is when people slit their wrists. Like, she even says something like that in the movie, like, take a razor to their wrists. Like, yeah. this is a really hard time for a lot of people, and I appreciate that they showed that side of the holidays as well. Yeah, because not everyone has family. Not everyone has the best experience around this time of year um we're probably gonna see a lot especially this christmas coming up especially in the uk um because there's so much happening in the uk where people can't afford to put on their heatings and Mm. this joyous happiest time of the year's bullshit is not (laughs) correct you can be alone and sad and traumatized even when it's supposed to be magical, whimsical, Santa's gonna bring me lots of candy. Thanks for bumming me out, V. This movie's supposed sorry. to be fun, but damn. Well, we're getting to it. We're getting to it. Well, <laughs> Billy and Kate discover the town has fallen silent, and we're getting to the best scene in the whole entire film. <laughs> the gremlins are fucking watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in the local theater. <laughs> Hi-ho, hi-ho. That scene made Alex cackle. <laughs> I can imagine. I would I would just love to watch this film with fresh eyes. That's what I'm more. saying. It's so fun introducing Val and her mom to like horror movies because you get to experience it with them for the first time again. And she thought that it was so funny when they were all singing. And they were also dressed up. They had tinsel wrapped around them. They had like christmas hats on it was just quite literally hats off to this whole creature team like they really put their whole pedisses in this movie literally like especially this scene like whoever came up with this scene i hope they got a raise after it because it was fan-fucking-tastic as um billy and kate discover this they set off a natural gas explosion which takes out a lot of them. It takes out all of them, except for one. Can you guess which one? Stripe that sneaky bastard. That motherfucker. Um, he left to commandeer more candy from the, the store across the street. As morning approaches, they follow Stripe into a department store, where Stripe attempts to use a water fountain to spoil more gremlins. And then we get the hero of the day. Gizmo plucks up the bravery in his little fluffy body mm. and he opens the skylight 
um, exposing Stripe to sunlight, and it killed him. I would argue that the dog was the hero in this because Barney saw Stripe throw himself into the fountain and just said, I'm out. He just got the fuck out of there. That's a vibe. Literally, the non-human characters in this film are the heroes. They truly, truly are. But when Stripe (laughs) picks up that chainsaw, you, like you said earlier about like the little gun, there's just something so cute about it that you're just like, I would let you kill me. 100%. If I saw a fucking gremlin, I'd be like, this is it. I'm dead. This is the way that I go, just like those um, Christmas cookies in Krampus that we talked about. Yes. I guess this is my time. Because I can't do anything else but be like, oh my god, you're so cute. (laughs) I know. So the film ends with um, the local news report on the day's mysterious tragedies. Oh! Mr. Wing. We did not, we did not even get to the, we did not even talk about Stripe's demise. Because we watch him melt into goo, V. Mm. And it's very scary for a child to witness, I'm sure, because you see him like, ah! Like the witch in Wizard of Oz. Yes, that scene was very intense for me when I was younger. I'm sorry, I just had to, I couldn't let you move on without uh, saying that, because oh sorry. my god. I'm sorry, I, it didn't traumatize me at all, that scene. And none of, none of, I don't, I, I don't know why this film, I was just like, yay! I th- I think the reason why that stuck with me is because the effects in that scene are really good. Like, you yeah. literally see him melting. Mm. I'm melting. I'm melting. But yes, I can understand why it would traumatize someone, but yeah. I was built different. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Mr. Wing, who originally at the beginning of the film said no to Billy's dad buying Gizmo, he comes along and reclaims Gizmo at the Pizza home. He criticized both the Pizzlers and Western society for their carelessness with nature. However, as he turns to leave, Gizmo, having bonded with Billy, the young man goodbye, a touched Mr. Wing then concedes that Billy may be ready one day, but until then, Gizmo will be waiting. That ending was so sad to me when I was younger. Because, like we said, we've been rooting for Billy this entire time. Like, we want him to, like, have this picture-perfect life. And, you know, a lot of children watching this when they were younger, like, that's what they're used to and accustomed to. But this movie doesn't give you that. It made me sad watching it, but each time I see it now, I'm every time a little bit more like, man, white people truly ruin everything, huh? No, truly. They do. They really do. But there is a second Gremlins that came out six years later. Mm-hmm. But it's not based around Christmas, so we're not talking about it today. Maybe we can do like like a sequels because that's a pretty solid sequel. It is, and it gives me one of my favorite gremlins of all time and our first ever female gremlin, Greta. Well, you could argue that in the bar scene they have a gremlin that's dressed up as a woman playing poker 
So technically, she's just our most iconic female gremlin, I think. I have a pen that's on my jean jacket that is thick Greta, where she's like dropping her ass and like looking back at it. And the amount of times that I've seen people kind of look at that pin and then look me in the eyes and kind of like look away, uncountable. I have a Greta figurine. I love that. Yes. Um, the sequel for this is really good. It came out in 1990, so six years later. And it does follow on from the 1984 film, which I fucking love. Yes. Absolutely love. And we get even more iconic gremlins, more iconic kills, more iconic scenes. But we will talk about that another day. This movie definitely is a dark comedy film. I don't I don't know really any horror fan that would dispute its place in the the horror conversation because this movie did freak a lot of kids out it still has really good effects even for today's standards but yeah i think the reason why i classify it as a christmas movie is because it gives you the warm and fuzzies like around christmas time i kind of contribute that to like all the snow obviously it's set in christmas and like the multicolored lights i don't know if you guys are a white light family or a multicolored light family I personally am a multicolored light family for my Christmas themes. It's just so cozy. And that's like the feeling that you get watching this movie. Um, I think growing up, we were multicolored. But as we've gotten older, we've become more of a white light slash warm light kind of family. Mm, interesting. But I, like, I enjoy both. I was about to say, it's like you've evolved. Um, mm. I have lights up in my like crazy colored lights up in my house all year round but this movie just hits different it really does and i have never met a single person that does not love gremlins it's so good i like it i i honestly i truly don't think i've ever met someone that goes i hate gremlins it's an awful movie because you can't say that because you're wrong and if you say otherwise blocked Absolutely. And it it's a Christmas movie without even having Santa, really. Exactly, because we don't want to traumatize Kate even more. <laughs> oh. I'm I'm very sad because there's plenty of Christmas movies out there where Santa is the bad guy. But yeah, I I love the movie Gremlins. I'm glad that we talked about it. I feel like it's a perfect perfect entry for our Christmas movie um extravaganza this month. Yes, yes. I don't think we've decided what we're going to do the next week. It's a surprise. It's a it's a Christmas surprise for everyone. Yeah. You guys, us guys, we... all guys. <laughs> everyone. I've been having my own Christmas bonanza yeah. over here. I'm trying to watch like any spooky, scary holiday horror movie because watching them has reignited my love for Christmas movies, but not like the normal Hallmark Christmas movies. You know what I'm saying? Like the edgier Christmas movies. I. It's not a phase, mom. It's who I am. It's not. <laughs> 
of bays. So if you have any good um, Christmas movie recommendations, I think Dread Central or someone just posted like over a hundred scary Christmas movies to watch. So if you have any recs for us, you can hit us up on social medias. Fee, what are our social medias? Our social medias are Instagram at Horahans Podcast and Twitter at Horahans Pod because Twitter is still alive. It's still alive. It's still going strong for now. Well, V. Is it strong? Is it strong though? It's, it's falling apart still, but it's still an active website. So um, you can tweet us, you can message us, you can comment on posts, you can do this, that, and the other. Um, just don't be rude. Um, and don't tell us we're wrong because pff, I don't care. No, tell us we're wrong so we can grow and learn and have an open line of communication. I love learning. But if you tell me my opinion is wrong about a film, that is not what we do in this household. Mm -mm. We respect everyone's opinions, whether we agree or disagree. Except if you disagree that Gremlins is a great movie. Then fuck your opinion. But V, do you have any final thoughts for today's episode? Um, I think we've got one more episode in our Christmas bonanza. We'll be back in January, so we only have one episode left, I think, of this yeah. year, right? I don't know. I don't know how to do math. We'll figure it out, but I think so. So it's got to be good. Anyway, <laughs> we will love you and leave you, and we will see you next week for whatever episode that will be. Okay, we love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you.